Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, we're diving back into the world of collegiate esports. Joining me is Fernando Paiva. He is the esports head coach at the University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. So without further ado, Fernando, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about your background and kind of how you landed um, this position as the esports head coach um, at UHSP. Hello, everybody. Hi, Kyle. Hope everybody's doing okay. Hope everybody's doing well and safe during this time. Like he said, my name is Fernando Paiva. I'm the head esports coach at University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. Uh, I started coaching about 15 to 16 years ago, and that was tennis, actually. So I've been a, college, a collegiate tennis player. I played through my whole four years of bachelor's degree, then went to my master's as a graduate assistant. After that, moved to California to coach tennis for five to six years. And within the last two to three years, I started getting closer to esports, which always been my passion. But when I was growing up, I heard a thing that everybody says to their kids like, oh, you want to play video games? That's not going to take you anywhere. Go read a book. Yeah. And um, I heard that my whole life. So I, that's why I developed passion for tennis. It's a great sport, but it was never my first passion. Within mm -hmm. the last three years, I got back to esports. I started working with a few players and then a couple teams. And then I, was, I got invited to a Brazilian uh, media cast, uh, media company to uh, cover the LCS finals in Detroit, Michigan. I went there, I did the coverage, uh, we saw Team Liquid winning again against Cloud9 on a 3-2 match, it was very, very close. Mm -hmm. And they liked the job I did, they liked the interviews, so they sent me to Worlds. So on 2019, I ended up going to League of Legends Worlds in Europe, where we've been through Berlin, Madrid and Paris to cover the event, it was amazing. I got the interview, the chance to interview amazing people like Duke, the coach for Splice at the time, Mata, the only support to ever be MVP of Worlds through SKT. Mm -hmm. uh, so amazing opportunity. And then when I came back, I continued coaching those teams. Uh, it was a tier a three team in Brazil. We ended up being uh, second place in the tournament where people didn't even believe we could qualify to the playoffs. So that was a great, great experience to see all my athletes happy and then I really really realized that I was in the right spot and um, I started branching out trying to find jobs and found this one which I'm very happy to be here and gladly in St. Louis Missouri oh that's a lot that was a long introduction <laughs> no no not at all that was a really it's a great intro though I'd rather it be longer and full of everything that you just said because it is awesome that you have all this experience in LCS and in the Brazilian side and having these, these, the coaching experience as well because I think that kind of really well rounds you and it obviously sets you up for success in the future as well. Um, we'll get into more of that later though. Um, first, tell me a little bit more about your esports program at um, UHSP in St. Louis. Tell me, you know, what games you compete in, any competitions that you know off the top of your head um, that your teams kind of um, compete in and then also just give me an overall snapshot of your program. So right now we are located in St. Louis, like Kyle said, and uh, we are running on 30 Alienware computers. We have a, a whole Alienware facility, uh, very good computers, very good uh, hardware wise. Uh, we have a room in the back, which is our community room with a couple TVs for watching VODs, replays and social gatherings when COVID let us do that. And then we have a, in the back also, we have a conference room for meetings, recruitment, and more, another TV there for, for more of you'll be watching. Mm -hmm. um, we right now have a League of Legends team. 
and we're branching out to Rocket League and Valorant for the next split uh, within the spring 2021. Hopefully by the fall, we have those three teams set up and we're going to branch out to other titles such as Overwatch, hopefully Counter-Strike because that's where I grew up playing uh, and other titles as well. Uh, at that moment, the only tournament we're signed up to play is the League of Legends Collegiate Tournament through Riot Games. Uh, we are in the North Conference and the conference starts in January 18. So we're going to be, we're finishing finals week right now. We should have about four or five more days of finals. And then our team's going to practice really hard to represent as, very, as best as we can. Absolutely, absolutely. Practice makes perfect, right? You got to put the time in before to get that uh, product, that success um, afterwards, after this competition. Super awesome. Love to see that projected growth. Um, League of Legends obviously being in the biggest esport um, in the world, especially in North America, to say the least. Um, and then obviously having those big titles, Rocket League, Valorant, Overwatch, and CS coming in the next year. Super exciting for both the program and the students coming in that you're looking to recruit. Um, so Talk me through um, a lot of our audience, obviously, is high school um, players that are super, super good at these games. Um, and they're wondering, you know, what does a day in the life of a collegiate esports athlete look like, right? So take me through what a day of practice looks like and kind of entails for y'all, um, especially what it'll look like building up to the competition after, like you said, finals end and y'all go full bore to prepare um, for the collegiate League of Legends um, competition in January. So one, that, that's a very good question. And the fun thing is everybody knows the answer to the question, but nobody thinks about it, mm -hmm. right? Everybody has a friend or a family member that played a college sports, like, or it might be baseball, basketball, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Esports is the same thing. Mm -hmm. We have our daily routine of classes. Everybody does. Hopefully everybody gets ace. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And then do you, you see with your coach you send to your coach your calendar schedule like a class schedule and if you have a job your job schedule as well and the coach builds up a schedule for practices and then you fill up this practice normally between two and three hours depending on the day depending on the coach depending on everybody's availability and then you practice for those two or three hours within the practice time uh you it, it, it's all esports based so for example if I'm doing uh, League of Legends, we might be working on rotations. We might be working on timing certain objectives in the map, setting up vision, uh, lane pressure, playing two to three waves, all those little things that uh, are in the game. If you're playing Rocket League, you might be working on certain plays, uh, on your air maneuvers and all those things. If you were, if you were doing uh, Counter-Strike, you could be working on pixel points as well as entry points. Mm -hmm. um, or just working on your aim. Uh, it, it, it changes from title to title, but it is the same routine as any college athlete that you can think of. Doesn't matter if it's a football player, if it's a basketball player, baseball player, or esports player. It doesn't matter. It's the same routine. Just the esports, the e for some reason, people think is going to be super different when it's just another college esport. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a, very common comparison that I try to do a ton of is showing how similar, like you just said, it is to traditional sports, that being esports. It's so important for people to understand that because it's something they can grasp, right? Everyone is way more familiar with traditional sports on average, right? By far than esports, right? Especially the globe, especially when we look at the globe in general. Everyone watches soccer, football, baseball to some degree, and they understand what it takes to be a professional. And, but then they look at esports like, oh, it's just video games. I could do that if I really tried. Like, no, you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You played for 20 years and you played day in and day out and grinded and had a great practice schedule and VOD review and everything that goes into it, right? Um, so absolutely there. 
Um, that kind of brings me to my next question. Obviously, you have a traditional sports background to some degree. Um, take me through kind of some of the general um, similarities and differences that you see beyond the practice schedule um, between traditional sports and esports. So uh, what I like to do to explain to people the difference between traditional esports and regular sports, traditional sports and esports, mm-hmm. is football. Okay, let's get football. Okay. You have a special teams you have a defensive team and you have offensive team right those are three teams they're trained separately each one for a specific purpose Mm -hmm. esports is football but the different teams are different titles so where we have a special teams you have league of legends when you have an offensive team or attacking team you have uh rocket league when you have a defensive team you might have Call of Duty, Rainbow Six, and, and any other title you speak, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a training routine it's specific for what you're doing on the field, or in this case, on your game title, uh, to develop to win a tournament or to win a match or, you know? And then it's the same routine as, for example, if you want to play a tournament, let's assume you're in the quarterfinals, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have your best spike at the quarterfinals. You want to have your best spike at the finals. Mm-hmm. But you cannot just prepare for the finals, otherwise you lose and you don't make it. Mm-hmm. So it's the same principle of going step by step, but progressing towards the goal, which is on the final, I want to play my best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I love that comparison because it, it really shows a little bit of the differences and the similarities at the same time because um, they are similar in nature, right? They're both competitive. They both take a ton of that prep work, um, but the execution is a bit different. Um, kind of going into um, your, um, some of your successes before, obviously being that 2019 Worlds coverage, um, take me through kind of the best moment, right? That's kind of uh, what we also push kids to do is after you go to college, you know, look towards esports um, professions, right? Because playing professionally is very difficult to say the least. There's only so many spots, um, but working in esports is just as fun, if not more fun. Um, so take me through one of those experiences that really stands out to you, um, being able to do that coverage, that media coverage that you did at the 2019 Worlds. Now, I can tell you one thing that's very fun, right? Because I was, when you're doing media coverage at any professional tournament, you have interviews, correct? And you have one-on-one interviews. They're normally very limited. Mm-hmm. And uh, you put in the request the day before. So I put in the request for SKT. And when I wrote the request, I was like, anybody. Just because SKT is SKT, you know, they had a team full of all-stars, mm-hmm. all with a great background. And I just told the guy, I was like, I'm putting the request for SKT. Doesn't matter if it's Coma, the head coach at the time, or Faker, or Mata, or whoever comes from SKT. It's just an amazing experience. So whoever is available, you just be amazing, right? Because Brazilian media normally doesn't have that access. Mm-hmm. And I did not expect to get Mata, right? So I'm in the other facility. I'm at the venue mm-hmm. watching the game. And then my phone rings. And I just look at it. And a message pops out. It said, you have Mata in five minutes. That was the fastest I ever run in my life. I, I had a laptop. I, let the, I left the laptop at the facility with my friend that was working with me. That was like, dude, just, it's plugged in. Like, it's, we, we were in the, in the press area. So mm-hmm. I was like, dude, it's plugged in. Just, I lock out, I closed the lid and I was like, just let it there. If someone is still it, they're still it. But if you can, just watch it. And yeah. then I just run as fast as I could. I got there. Mata was coming down the stairs and we had an interview. And Mata, for the people who don't know, he's a world champion. He's the mm-hmm. only world champion to ever win an MVP playing as a support role. Mm-hmm. So the guy is out of the curb. Now he's actually the coach for RNG, which is a 
Chinese team. Mm -hmm. So like the guy's out of the curve. And I remember asking him, I was like, man, you guys are five one. You played a great group stage. How excited are you for the quarter for the quarterfinals? And he point blank look at me and he answers in Korean, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it, I could see his face that he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't speak Korean. Yeah. So the translator turns to me and say, it's fun that you say we played a very good uh, group stage. I think we did horrible. And he was five wins, one loss. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that guy's a perfectionist. Yeah. So I'm like, exactly. like, that was to me one of the funniest experience. Other than that, of course, getting to see Europe, getting to see how Riot runs everything, mm -hmm. uh, taking pictures with professional athletes, uh, the Summoner's Cup, seeing how, how esports is growing is beautiful to me. Not just like one person or one situation, just the growth of esports, what Riot and what companies like Evo, DreamHack, uh, ESL, what they did for esports is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree there. It's such a beautiful like ecosystem. I can't wait to see its continued success and growth. And especially with for like Riot and ESL and all of them, they're, you know, past success and they do a really great job. So super excited to see them come into space. And Riot now has Valorant. So getting to FPS uh, space, as we all know, it's a little bit old news now. But first strike that final tournament's coming up soon. I'm super excited for that. Um, but kind of shifting gears back towards collegiate esports for the last few questions before we run out of time. Um, you mentioned it way at the beginning is recruiting, right? Obviously, you're in your League of Legends right now looking to get into Rocket League, Valorant, Overwatch, and CS, if not more titles. Um, talk to me about what you look for in recruits, right? What makes a recruit stand out to you as, hey, I want this person on my team compared to someone else, for example? So, uh, of course, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say that ranks don't matter. They do. Mm -hmm. Of the ranks they're there for a reason of course mm -hmm. but like for example let me let's use league of legends right mm -hmm. and we have what we call master tier and grandmaster tier mm -hmm. which when you look at the other tiers they break down by four levels so getting diamond for example goes diamond one two three four mm -hmm. master and grandmaster they don't have that they run by a point system so if you get a grandmaster with 300 points and a grandmaster with 350 points it will be a very similar skill level right Mm -hmm. So you'll be looking, of course, for the role that you need, which is top, mid, jungle, AD carry, or support. You look which, your, which role you need on your team and you try to get those players. When you get two players that are similar mm -hmm. with the similar roles, the first thing you're going to see is the player behavior. Mm -hmm. Like, at least that's what I do, right? So if a player comes to my team and says, I want to play, and I have a player, let's assume you and I are the same level, right, Kyle? Mm -hmm. And then we apply for the same team and I'm, and I'll be the coach. When I'm looking at those two people, they're the same and they have the same playing skills. They have the same mechanics and everything. We will look into their behavior and their mentality. Mm -hmm. If I see a Twitch stream or where the one player is trying hard, even though they're losing and they're doing their best and they're trying, they're thinking and they're trying to communicate with their team. That is the person I want. I don't want the person that's like, Oh, it's over next game. We don't want that people, you know, no, no coach wants a quitter. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, if the person that is trying hard is mm -hmm. yelling their lungs out, cursing everybody, or they go on Twitter and they say something that is inappropriate or something that is disrespectful, that is a massive red flag for any coach. So there's all those little things that will make a massive difference when recruiting an athlete. Um, and that person, and that's the hardest part for high school kids. Because they think that what they say on Twitter or, or what type of pictures they post on Instagram, they're not, uh, they're not looked into. They, mm -hmm. they are. Exactly. Okay? I, I know personally a friend of mine 
that lost a scholarship over uh instagram photo mm -hmm. you know so it's like it it, ex it happens mm -hmm. it happens it's very important behavior and mentality when you have two people at the same level behavior and mentality are key absolutely couldn't agree more on that that's basically um, in the recruiting process that I've always been part of, right? That first question is never really about rank, right? Like you said, not gonna be a heck of a kid. Rank matters, right? You have to be good enough to compete at the collegiate level. But once you cross that line, whatever that threshold is for whatever college or university that you're trying to look at, they start looking at behavior, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're giving a scholarship or even if they're just part of your program, they, you want a positive, healthy kind of attitude being brought in, right? I don't want someone on my team being toxic or just going to Twitter and talking about a bunch of bad stuff. It's like, I don't want that negative energy, right? And I can guarantee you almost every other collegiate recruiter is like, yeah, no, I'd rather stay away with that. I'm going to take the, the guy that the, has the great work ethic, the great dedication, and is always positive and upbringing of the people around him compared to the toxic person, right? So always, oh, yeah, totally. One thing, one thing you can look I was going to say, one thing you can look when you talk about that is G2, right? G2 Esports mm -hmm. from Europe, they were the best team in Europe for the past years, for the past years, actually, plural. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at their team and you talk to Caps, you talk to Yankos, you talk to Perks, they're laughing all the time. They're like calm people that communicate. And you look at their communication in the game when, you, when they release the audio that you can actually see it. Mm -hmm. They are talking like, we're going to do this, this, this. Oh, my bad. I throw. And everybody yeah. else go, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And they just move on, you know? So like they have that communication where they, the first thing is the person who made the mistake said, my bad, I made the mistake. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, yeah, you did. It's in the past. Next. Don't do that again. And they just move on. Nobody's toxic. Nobody. That creates a great team environment. And that's one of the main reasons. Of course, D2, D2 has amazing, talented players. Like, all the players are incredible, especially now they got reckless. Uh, reckless. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, their mentality is incredible. Like, uh, when I spoke with Carlos uh, Ocelote, the owner of G2, mm -hmm. the guy, even Carlos, is like that. Like, I was sitting on the desk, and I go back, and I hit someone with a chair, and that's Carlos, right? Mm -hmm. So I look, and I was like, my bad. And he goes, no, what he means. Like, he's chill. He's just like, no, it's all good. It's like, oh, Carlos, right? He goes, yeah, I'm Fernando. Nice to meet you. Like, yeah. very nice guy, just like another person walking, you know, chill. Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality that he gives to his players and the players develop. Uh, and they build up a team. It's not just like five people playing. Exactly. Totally agree. And I think we can all agree that G2 is one of the most successful orgs in the entire world. And I think that plays a big part into it is that culture, right? That environment that they build and promote in all of their teams across all of their platforms, whether it's content creators or competitive teams or just anybody part of it, right? They all kind of embody it. And that's so important to do. Um, kind of going to my last the question. The is amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. You, you cut out there for a second. <laughs> uh, but well, okay. unfortunately, we are running out of time here. So I'm going to leave you with one last question. I'm looking at esports industry entirely, right? What's that next step in your eyes? Whether it's something that we have to change or fix or just something that we need to create to really bring esports to that global recognition, right? Because there's a great, you know, South Korea, Asia has a ton of esports following, Europe to a certain degree, and America is more within the esports community. But how do we get it globally recognized um, from that mainstream perspective in your eyes? So I think is education. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I mean, what I mean by that is educating, especially parents, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, if you are right now, you're my age, you're 31, 32, and you're starting to think about having kids and all those things, or if you already have kids, right. Mm -hmm. You are more open to that mentality. 
But the people that are right now 15, 16 year old, those people have parents that are normally 40s or higher, over 40s, right? Though that generation is still not introduced properly to the esports concept. So the, the older generation needs to know that if your child says, I want to be a YouTuber, doesn't mean that I, they actually want to be a YouTuber. You know, they mean they want to work with content creation. They want to develop something. That might drive into broadcasting. That might drive into shoutcasting, commenting. That might drive, they might be a video editor in the future. They might be a image editor, thumbnail maker. There is a lot of professions that can drive from a phrase that I want to be a YouTuber. You know, maybe they become a YouTuber. You know, there are people that are YouTubers and they make a lot of money, but that's very slim. Like it's yeah. very few people do that. So whenever you have a, a younger one that says, I want to be a YouTuber or I want to be a professional esports athlete, don't close the door because that door might open other doors. Mm -hmm. I think that educational aspect to the parents and to grandparents and uncles and aunts, that makes a massive difference on, okay, my child said they want to be a YouTuber. Is that really the only way? And it's not. They can be a lot of different things. Look at me myself. I started jokingly uh, playing a game just for fun with my friends. And now I'm an esports head coach. Mm -hmm. I've been a journalist, even though I don't have a degree in communications. I interview people at world tournaments. I shoutcast for League of Legends, Valorant, and um, CSGO. And mm -hmm. so, like, you know, I never expected to have the capability of doing those things. But as I go, I found out more and more. And now the next generation that's coming, they already know it. They already know the possibilities that they have. Educating the parents that they have the possibility is the key to make esports great. Totally agree. I think that's one of the last hurdles is getting that parental buy-in, right? Because there's nothing more powerful than when your parents behind you, right? Because almost every kid in the world wants to make their parent proud at, at its core, right? That's just kind yeah. of a natural thing. And, you know, if that's doing it through esports and you want that parental support as well. And then the, from there, the opportunities are endless. Um, but unfortunately, we are over our time limit, but that's perfectly fine. I think we've had a great podcast session here. Um, but if you will, Fernando, go ahead and plug yourself, plug your program. Tell us where we can find you on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, any of your social media platforms that you want to plug. All right, guys. So I'm not going to give my, out my own personal information because you can find me anywhere with the hashtag Coach B-O-L-H-A. That's me, period. Anywhere you go, you can find me there. But I do want you guys to, if you can, please come and see our university is uhsp.edu. We're located in St. Louis, Missouri. Our Twitter is at a, sorry, at uhsp esports. Okay, so uhsp esports, uhsp esports. Uh, our YouTube, YouTube is Utetics Esport, but that's still under construction. Our Twitch is twitch.tv, Utetics, and Utetics2. Those are two channels also under construction and our instagram is at uhsp esports as well awesome awesome thank you so much everyone out there listening thanks for staying the entire time definitely check out check out ugh, check out uhsp okay. and their program it's already awesome and with more games to go um, i'm sure they'll it'll be very very successful for the years to come but for now thanks for staying the entire time everybody stay healthy and stay happy out there COVID's still a thing um make sure you take care of yourself and your loved ones and ultimately stay plugged in mm -hmm.